0: Welcome to Deep Focus, a radio show about movies and New Haven. I'm your host, Tom Breen, and I'm very happy to be joined again in the studio today, although maybe I shouldn't say again because we haven't done this in a while. It's great to have you back, Alan Appel, my fellow reporter for the New Haven Independent and uh, movie reviewing buddy here on Deep Focus.
1: Nice Nice to be back. It's been too long.
0: It's been too long. I hope that you have seen many a movie in between our conversations, even though I have not been doling out the assignments as dutifully as radio
1: host. It's either you <laughs> sure. It's either you or TCM.
0: <laughs> uh, we'll do a TCM <laughs> episode uh, someday. But the movie that we are going to be talking about today, currently playing at the uh, Criterion in downtown New Haven, is called First Reformed. It's the latest film from writer-director Paul Schrader that stars Ethan Hawke as a minister at a small historic church in upstate New York. Um, maybe I'll do a vi- okay, the briefest of, of plot synopses because i think that this movie has a lot going on in terms of its story its character but also in terms of its its artistry and atmosphere so uh but but, i think that a bit of a foundation on plot would be would be helpful so but
1: don't spill the beans
0: i will right yes listeners we will not be spilling the beans as i warned alan before the show started uh until we say explicitly all right this is going to be spoiler territory but for now we are shying away from any spoiler territory about how this movie ends but at least for most of it um Ethan Hawke plays Reverend Toller, this minister at a small uh, First Reformed uh, Protestant church in upstate New York, I think somewhere near Albany. Uh, We learn over the course of the movie that he lost a child in a pretty traumatic way and that uh, kind of put the kibosh on his relationship with his wife. Uh, And the movie kind of unfolds as uh, an inspection of his physical and emotional and spiritual isolation. Uh, He lives a pretty solitary and austere life alone in this unfurnished home adjacent to the church. He preaches to just a few congregants every week at a church that uh, most people refer to as more of a souvenir shop than an actual place of worship. Uh, And he spends most of his time cataloging the very mundane existence that he leads in a daily diary that substitutes for him as a more satisfying form of prayer. Uh, Well, maybe I'll leave off there, for now, there's quite an explicit environmentalist thread in this movie, where a a young congregant, a young pregnant congregant, played by Amanda Seyfried, um, asks Reverend Toller to counsel her husband, who's recently released from prison in Canada, an avid environmentalist uh, who is in the throes of despair about bringing a new life into this world that is uh, kind of on the brink of climate disaster and global warming and rising sea levels and utter kind of environmental destitution really the question posed to toller is what can the justification be for bringing new life into this world that suffers so um and the question that is repeated often is how will god forgive us for the way that we have treated uh god's planet and everything in it so alan as a um as someone who spent a time as a, semin- spent, as a, seminary, time as a seminary theological seminar yes. yourself, I didn't want to say failed I knew you. Were, I knew
1: you were going to go there. But I hey, didn't I knew mean, it.
0: so so Paul Schrader himself grew up in quite an Orthodox Protestant household uh, in somewhere in the Midwest. Uh, right. But I think he belonged to this first reformed Dutch tradition. Uh, I listened to an interview recently. He was kind of barred from seeing any movies until he went to college, and that was. Thought he was going to be a minister, was trained to be a minister, and then uh, got the movie bug. And he's also best known for being a longtime collaborator with Martin Scorsese, uh, creating probably the definitive film of kind of 1970s New York art house cinema, like Alienation, in uh, *In Taxi Driver. He was Taxi the writer Driver. of Taxi Driver, which starred, uh, by Martin Scorsese, starring Robert De Niro. But Raging Bull. He also wrote Raging Bull. And he also wrote uh, the Last Testament or the Last Temptation of Christ. of Christ. And
1: also an interesting movie I believe he he had a hand in. I think he wrote uh, Bringing Out the Dead.
0: Yes. Which yeah. which
1: is about a couple of uh EMT guys in New York. One of my favorite movies in the uh in the uh the Hope Film
0: Festival. So he friend. is certainly no stranger to cataloging um the Again, the kind of spiritual and emotional isolation and alienation felt by you know people in the modern world. What's maybe a bit new is that this is a very rural setting, and also this is a minister. So I wonder. Let's take the let's get the the seminary dropouts perspective first. What do you think of this as more than just a movie, but an exploration of of faith, hope, and despair? And also get nice up and close on that mic. Oh
1: yeah, no, I thought it was uh, I thought it was you know just gripping, and it it made me. Uh, realize when he was uh, being asked all these, you know, basic human questions. So, what's the purpose of bringing life into the world? Uh, it made me feel grateful that I that I was never in a in a formal position uh, to be asked that question by you know by someone professionally because uh, I didn't have the answer. And 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 um and that really is uh what what I think draws you into the movie. The movie. Um, poses that question and the movie struggles toward an answer uh, and uh, uh and it's really uh in many ways all about uh, those basic spiritual questions uh, which is a real challenge for a movie i mean this the the basic challenge is that the, you know uh, it, the, these questions are so emotional so internal how do you externalize that and um and 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 make it uh uh, driven by a plot that somebody sitting outside in an audience can actually see. Uh, and uh, and I, I, I thought it really was um, very basic and, um, I mean, it went, went to the heart of things, to, the, to quote Graham Green title, to the heart of the matter.
0: So in addition to working with Martin Scorsese and all of these landmark films from the 70s and 80s, Paul Schrader literally wrote the book on this type of spiritual cinema. In 1972, That's while he was right. still a film critic, he wrote a book called Transcendental Style in Film, in right. which he profiled three kind of iconic, um, kind of spiritually inspired, at least in their style, according to Schrader, um, world filmmakers, uh, Yasuhiro Ozu, Carl Theodore Dreyer... Uh, and Robert Brisson. and I think that when you talk about the challenges of externalizing this type of spiritual crisis uh, I think it's easy to look back at you know those three filmmakers that he was profiling there and what he does here in first reform which is managed to um to represent through stillness and through patience and through sometimes boredom through a focus on the incredibly mundane aspects of of his life uh the um, I mean there is almost zero camera movement in this movie. For example, almost everything is a still shot, almost a straight on shot. A, a, a and a straight on shot uh, it, that corresponds to the again the austerity of his life. Right? I mean right. many of the scenes that take place in Toller's home involve the, you know this completely unfurnished wood hardwood floored room he's sitting with these bare you know exposed light bulbs dangling over his his bathroom and his writing table the only things on his table are the diary that he is he's cataloging his life in and then a bottle of whiskey or some kind Wh- whatever of whatever he's drinking right um it I, takes
1: a while to realize that uh, i think one of the successes of the movie the the leakage if that's the right word of information is you you, you really it, it takes a while to um to realize that he's such a serious alcoholic.
0: Let's. Well, I. Th- I think that may be a good transition to one of the more prominent stylistic techniques of the movie, which is the voiceover narration, uh, which corresponds to the diary that Toller's using. I think that Trader also uses this narration beautifully to impart his own spiritual crisis, the how kind of bored and again alienated he is from uh, everyone around him, but also the unreliability of his own articulation of his experience in the world. You say that. It takes us a while to learn how serious of an alcoholic is. I think that is kind of a, a deliberate strategy of obfuscation or something by Toller and by Schrader. I mean, at one key moment in the middle of the movie, when we see him really going off the deep end, we hear the narration say something like, "And now I felt better. That you know, I, I felt better now than I ever had before." Um, or he seemed, you know, if you're just listening to the words that he's saying, it seems like he is on the cusp of some kind of, you know, im important kind of salutary revelation, but instead he's kind of going off the deep end. So what do you think of the voiceover narration? Was, did it work? Did sometimes people talking at you in a movie is not always the best way to experience this primarily visual art form? Well,
1: I, I mean, I think it's an exact quotation from the Diary of a Country Priest, Robert Bresson, one, also one of um, Schrader's movie heroes, because that's the crisis of a, of a country priest. um and, and there he the guy is writing a diary and there's an overvoice and it really is a you know it's a film buffs movie because it's it's really an homage to that specific film um, although I I think the the priest in the diary of a country priest is um, is uh, made fun of and abused uh, by his um, parishioners such as as they are in a way that uh, uh, Ethan Hawkes toller is not so I, I think the overvoice is um, is very good I think I think uh, uh, you know, it is it it, it is very um, careful. Uh, you know, since a diary is so confessional, you expect to be hearing everything, but you don't hear, of course, in the diary that I'm on my third bottle of Zinfandel, precisely because it would uh, it would undercut the the. Um, uh, uh, the spiritual crisis the guy was going through if uh, uh, and it actually does raise issues as the movie goes along but it would certainly undercut things if he was like a heavy alcoholic from the start so i think i think it works very well you said in your introduction tom that that he announces at the beginning of the movie in the overvoice that he's writing a diary because he finds it more effective than prayer is that in the text there
0: I actually I, I, no I think that towards that may not be at the very beginning of the movie but certainly within the the first third if not the first half he says that um he he writes that he, he kind of wishes that prayer came as easily to him as writing or this is a it's because a, of a, because it, of how unsatisfying prayer has become to him right. this is another way for him to try to communicate with That's God. right he
1: calls it a a, a spiritual experiment it mm. will begin now and will it ended such and such a date? And he, I think that's really very effective the way it kind of uh, it kind of frames things, and and you need it because um, it, it it sets the stakes very high.
0: I think that uh, so this was also uh, so this past weekend was June sixteenth, which for like literary nerds is Bloomsday, Bloom's right? Day. The the day that James Joyce catalogs in Ulysses, that uh, of you know the kind of the most mundane. Encounters that this kind of lower working class Irish guy experiences uh, rendered on epic scale. And I couldn't help but think watching First Reformed of how much attention Paul Schrader pays to the the bodily functions of this man. Uh, and in, in particular, the incredibly painful bodily functions of just like, of urinating of going to the bath i mean there's so many scenes in this movie which seems like you know again talk about ulysses being vilified by censors for being so like crass and uh and i guess that was more for the sexual material but but there i mean there are a lot of scenes in this movie that struck me as quite analogous in how we spend time with him as he his body literally struggles to just perform the basic functions of a body and that doesn't make it into the diary Is it does you know he's not saying that i'm pissing blood in the diary um, he says that he has health problems but he he's denying it as much to himself as he is denying it to anyone else the few people left in this world who really care about him but i think that schrader's attention to you know the the honesty that toller promises he will deal with in his diary we don't get in the diary but we do get in Schrader's filmmaking, in yeah. his catalog, in his life, which I think is a really impressive and subtle achievement for a movie that's really, you know, there aren't a lot of big action sequences until there are, which maybe we'll get to. In yeah. A
1: second. No, I think that's, I think that's very true for me. One of the, um, uh, one of the best scenes in the movie is where he is, he's, uh, he, he begins to have a, um, a bit of relief from the, uh, kind of torpor into which he's fallen when the um, when the wife of this uh, uh, in environmental suicide the guy that he counseled and the day after he counsels him the kid commits suicide which ser- certainly would <laughs> bring a crisis of faith for any professional uh, um, uh, ecclesiastical listener but they 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 um, that's the beginning of this relationship between the uh, the uh, the Amanda Seyfried fig- figure and the and uh, ethan Hawke, and they get on bicycles and they ride through the park and there's that's the only time there's movement in the movie and it's as if you know it's 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 as if the 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 dead sea is, i mean the red sea is split i mean this given this the stillness and then he says uh. he says in the diary um because there is over voice many times when you don't, don't see him writing and i, I guess the you're you're your, your, it the assumption you're supposed to understand what, that whatever you hear is a diary entry even if even if it occurs when he's riding the bicycle and when he's riding the bicycle he said i never realized how marvelous exercise can be
0: uh what does, a glorious moment in a movie filled yeah. with stillness, stillness and right. despair and also uh, kind of longing for hope, longing for something to hope for. Right. Here we have an actual, such a simple moment, right? Of him riding a bike, and you—it's maybe the one smile we get from him in the entire movie, but just that sense of relief of not having to be, you know, burdened by his intense despair.
1: Right, and um, you know, um, and 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 what, you know, you haven't asked like, what's the basis for the despair? Uh, it it gets complicated because. First, it's the crisis that's, uh, um, it, it's, he, he's been, he's had a really tough life, as you explain here. That, so that's, that's. And I think
0: let's, let's we can begin to share. Okay, so that's, so one spoiler is going to come now. So this is the, the toughness that we learn is that uh, he comes from a military family. Uh, he encouraged his son to fight, to join the army. He fought and died in Iraq. His wife left him after his son died. She's so still.
1: Is, she's in the movie as the choir director. Is that? Yeah, that's his that the wife. Oh, that's I, the ex-wife.
0: Uh, I didn't even. Put that together. And she I, wants
1: to take care of him because she knows how wounded and terribly he feels. He utterly rejects her, which is sort of interesting. And 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 but he falls for a Mary, as in uh, you know Mary Magdalene. So let's get let's like get to that
0: that. that well, I, I want to talk about the source of the despair too. But maybe we'll do let's do both source of despair and this you know pretty significant plot line in the movie, his relationship with a young, pregnant congregant named Mary, whose husband quickly commits suicide after, uh, after talking with Toller about his environmentalist-inspired despair. It, it's
1: one of my favorite things, the way he handles this relationship, because there's not one iota of uh, co- his coming on to her or her coming on to him. The, the, it, they're drawn together in a kind of closeness over how he's helping her handle her grieving. And it's sort of utterly professional and um but you know there's something happening but it's com- it's utterly unexpressed except in the tiniest of ways and it it um and, well you know and that le- that really feeds uh uh you know uh, the the pivotal scenes that are to come but yes that's that i, I think that's uh, wonderfully handled
0: so i think what we see in the what he gets out of the relationship with mary is a pretty good indication of what drives his despair outside of Mary. When we talked about his own personal trauma of, of losing a child and then uh, having a divorce with his wife. Um, I think that the humiliation of being the pastor at a church that is largely ridiculed by members of the community as just a souvenir shop is not really a, a full functioning uh, place of worship. Unlike, again, another wonderful plot line with the, the, mega, the, church. the mega church run mm. by, you know, and not, the villain of the movie, Not at all. Cedric uh, the Entertainer, plays the pastor of a, a megachurch, of incredibly successful one called Abundant Life, which is a pretty wonderful movie. Right. Name it's for like a, cine- a, successful it's a cineplex. Men. And it, you know, he, I, so I think that that despair also comes from an incredible disillusionment with what young Christians want these days, or perhaps what he feels like he's unable to provide um, to the next generation of. American Christians, which is a um, a, uh, a oh, what is I'm, some, I, a justification for success or a call to you know a joining of material prosperity and oh, the gos- spiritual gospel health, of right?
1: social prosperity. But you know there is never a word out of uh, uh, Reverend Toller's mouth criticizing the megachurch, uh, nor does he ever say uh, you know I need to be here in my church museum, a seventeen fifty building. Where you see uh, very these very touching scenes where he essentially um, uh, works the gift shop, and and he says he says at one point early when we're trying you know establishing what's going on.
0: But you can sense the humiliation and the kind of degradation that he feels. there are hawking shirts, sure, right? I mean, we get that one that one dad who makes some off-color joke about I don't know a choir director and a pastor. I forget. There's well, some... but
1: yes, but there's a scene where. It, the, the group is leaving and he says that we have T-shirts, we have cup, we have mugs, we have attractive caps. And, and then the group leaves and the, the I think you're referring to where the dad uh, on the steps on the way out offers him a dollar, <laughs> like a, a tip for having given the tour. So
0: on the, so on the one hand, we see what I think, even though you know he may not be quite voluble in his criticism of abundant life, that is certainly a moment where we see i think in his face relatively inexpressive but we see nevertheless how this is this is not the spiritual life that he needs for his own spiritual nourishment on the flip side we see an incredibly touching moment in the church later on when we have a group of small school children visit to learn about this church's role in the underground railroad and we see him as a genuinely kind of passionate teacher uh, and caregiver for Young people to provide them with some I don't know small, small bit of of hope that is tied to the specific history of this church. I, well, just a, I, a lovely I, counterpoint to the selling the hats.
1: Well, the scene <laughs> is, but I would disagree that uh, that Ethan Hawke handles it any differently. Uh, I, I think one of the things that really stands out to me, and it, it's triggered by your you know your remark about the you know the the, the severity of the of the filming technique with the straight on shots transcendental, um, you know spiritual. Uh, style of, of movie making. But the style of acting that Ethan Hawke's bring, brings to this is his face is so stolid, so unmoving, uh, that in almost every sequence, whether it's a little more upbeat thing, like the, this church was a place for the underground railroad or a moment of humiliation when he's offered a tip by somebody, it's almost as if they both register equally to him. I mean, he's so, uh, emotionally drained and lost and really in, um, terrible terrible crisis it's as if it's as if he can't uh be anything but his suffering self and he's um uh his movements are slow his bodily movements are slow his face uh reveals so little it's almost as if he's being uh kind of pummeled by just the uh just the the normal daily routines of life. And this Bill, I mean, if you're into this kind of thing, and it's not everybody's kind of cinema, God knows, but uh, he's very effective at at building up a kind of um, tension that comes from a, a demonstration of feeling nothing.
0: So beautifully, but I, I want before, well, I just want to say that uh, the pastor played by Cedric the Entertainer, his kind of big criticism, again, not delivered in a big way, but the one pointed moment that he has to critique Reverend Toller is when he says that your hero is Thomas Merton, right? This this uh, Trappist monk who took a vow of silence in his mid-20s and lived in a monastery in Kentucky and wrote, you know, a prolific writer uh, and an anti-nuclear activist and peace activist, but someone who aspired to, in his own, like, incredible you know, diary Dyerantree's aspired to a life of absolute uh, kind of s- stillness and silence and connection to God through a stripping away of material things. And I think that you know what the pastor of Abundant Life sees in this isn't is a rejection of one's obligation to the world to live, which is kind of a, a flip side of what Ethan Hawke's character is criticizing everyone else of neglecting. You know, the neglecting the proper preservation of the world. I think what. The pastor of Abundant Life very understandably says is that you are, you know, who are you to completely remove yourself from society only to critique it without having any actual stake in its preservation? Um, I want to quickly say that you're listening to Deep Focus on WNHHLP, New Haven's home for community radio. I'm your host, Tom Breen, and I'm talking with Alan Appel about Paul Schrader's new movie, First Reformed. Um, Before we're going to get to the spoilery section in a second, but first, a very simple question for you. Alan, is first of form an environmentalist movie
1: well i, I think um no I, I think uh you know the the if the movie has any flaws it seems to me that it it's it's that um after he gets involved with this environmental issue uh you know through the um the counseling he he gives to mary's husband who's who who has just been released from jail it's it's it, it you know it's as if um he becomes uh does he is he moved by the environmental issue to to take the extreme steps which we have not revealed that he's about to take um or uh does he take the extreme steps he's about to take because he's in a spiritual crisis that he would be in if he were living in uh in guilford um and i think the answer is the latter and i think the. Because the, the, what the movie pivots on, and it really doesn't resolve, is is his crisis a crisis of faith, a um, uh, profound crisis of faith, um, uh, or is, is it, um, uh, it a crisis that's triggered by uh, profound emotional problems combined with a cancer diagnosis, which he comes down with. And those are two separate things, and they, they collide here, and, and w- how one uh, gets the upper hand or doesn't get the upper hand in, in the decisions he has to make is never resolved. I think that's good because who can decide?
0: I, I was going to say, I, I see that as actually more of a strength uh, yes, to the movie I than so. a detractor. Because I think that to a certain extent you could say uh, that the same conflict and same ambiguity plays out in the supporting character of the, the young husband environmentalist who winds up killing himself i mean the question of uh, kind of prime motivation uh is always going to be i think almost irresolvable whether he is most motivated to protect the environment because of <clears throat> a completely selfless concern for the protection of the planet or is it some sort of inner emotional turmoil that is driving this despair and here is the particular um you know, this happens to be the cause that he has latched onto as a vehicle for that. Disp- right. I think this movie throws a lot of, you know, it throws the question of what motivates Extremists to act in the way that they do into a really interesting realm because it's rarely just the issue that they're advocating for. Right, it's
1: a combination of that and and the crisis that one has. And
0: how perfect to play that out in the figure of a priest whose you know vocation is to deal with spiritual crises. Right, and I don't think
1: you know this has many predecessors. I mean, the priest in uh, Diary of a Country Priest, from whom. Uh, Schrader really quotes. I mean, the whole movie, the whole frame of the Definitely. movie. The Although diary.
0: they're a much younger priest, he's right? a younger Here, priest, and he doesn't
1: yeah. have a crisis of faith. Mm-hmm. He 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 stays happy with his faith. And there's another wonderful movie, a Graham Greene novel uh, called *The Power and the Glory*, where Henry Fonda plays plays uh, what's called a whiskey priest. Uh, he's also drunk. Uh, and it Had to be. Schrader has to know this. It became a John Ford film called *The Fugitive*, where he goes to Mexico. Um, because the the uh, um, uh, socialist Mexican government is persecuting the Catholic Church and masses are not allowed, and this priest risks his life. He becomes a drunk in the process of the tension, but he he um, he doesn't lose his faith. So you, the, the, this priest losing his faith is interesting, and it's also interesting that the priests we're talking about are Catholics. This guy isn't even a Catholic. He's he's pro- he's a first reform, which is, it strikes me as that's Dutch, it's Dutch reform, and it's high Calvinist kind Mm -hmm. of thing. And yeah, there's a, there's a weird, there's a weird quality of Calvinism. Not so weird, which is that um, you're saved. You're not saved, not by your own devices, not by your own works. It's called. And this, this guy uh, is, he's in trouble because I think he, um, he feels that um, he's in a crisis and he can't do anything about it except to to end it in a way which we have not revealed Tom
0: which we'll get to right now but I do think that the you know the literal you know definition of the word iconoclasm like applies to this guys you know faith tradition and that there are no um there are no ornate visual representations of the God that he longs to believe in anywhere in his house, right? All he has are these unsheathed light bulbs, right? It's, right, like, it, it's like there's nothing. This is the Protestant austerity at yeah, its most th- austere.
1: This is a tough love God. <laughs> <This> is Calvinism <laughs> is tough love.
0: So... Uh, maybe I'll just, I just want to say that the magical mystery tour sequence is perhaps one of my favorites. Maybe well, I, I, considering how we're running low in time here, I'd rather spend a bit more time on the end of the movie. And we're talking about, uh, cinematic predecessors, uh, whether the priest in Brasson's diary of young priest, uh, the, uh, John Ford Graham green movie you just mentioned. Um, I think that probably the most logical connection is with Travis Bickle, with Robert De Niro's character in Taxi Driver, not a priest, uh, but a very angry and again, disaffected, alienated young man who sees, you know, that that famous monologue about how, you know, a rain is going to come and wash away all of the scum in this city someday. And he sees himself as this kind of avenging angel for all of the degraded, righteous people of the world. The, you know, Jodie Foster's 14-year-old prostitute being exploited by a, a city rife with sin that only he can can uh, kind of clear away and redeem in the most violent and extreme of manners. And I think that, you know, despite... This being a priest that we're talking about, he there's a lot of Travis Bickle in, in Reverend Toller, especially um, at the very end when he sees that. again, Okay, spoiler territory. He decides to to blow up his church during its its 250th anniversary with, with the suicide vest that suicide was vest. was left
1: behind by the by the uh, by the husband of the woman that he's counseling. I I I must confess, I found that to be not credible. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, not, not that, uh, choosing to kill yourself. Well, uh, he, he's in such an emotional state. I could accept the fact that he would go to such an extreme decision, but I, I do think that Paul Schrader is pressing the contemporary button with the suicide vest and sticking it in the movie. Uh, it just feels like it's not organic to the world. Um, e- even among environmentalists, it's just not what they would do. They would uh, do something else.
0: Although to Schrader's credit, he does visually communicate the devastation of pollution and and climate change in a way that you know is more than like what an inconvenient truth does or something. You know that like you get a sense, oh, right. especially in the magical mystery tour sequence, what is so upsetting to this man. Now that's now, whether, a crazy sequence he, whether too. Whether he'd respond with a suicide, message, oh.
1: I didn't go for that. The, the magical mystery tour is where she. You know, she, the, the, lo- the, the love interest, uh, at this point, it's pretty clear that their attraction is, is real. She asks the priest to lie on top of her as her husband does, just fully clothed, stare into each other's eyes, nose to nose. And, and, and as Schrader does this, after having, uh, after an hour and 20 minutes, a movie that's completely static, these two people levitate, they ascend. And what's going on is both uh, the resurrection and Disney, all at the same time, and they whirl around in the universe. I think. The, I mean, the I, I said to my...
0: maybe may a bit too harsh, <laughs> although it certainly is a magical trip through. I would say more of a, a, a resurrection combined with a hallucinogenic. You know, a la the Beatles' Magical Mystery Tour. You know, this hallucinogenic uh, trip through time and space, and so do you. All the rest. So
1: I, I guess maybe I'm just not a person of of enough faith or a faith tradition that I just didn't buy that. I didn't buy that. That's not your same... experience
0: every time? No, you... no, no. no.
1: <laughs> I don't. I, know. It's, I wish maybe I would not have dropped out of the cemetery, uh, cemetery. a cemetery, cemetery, seminary, um, had I had a moment of what they used to call in our, uh, a ra- a moment of radical amazement. Now we have those moments of radical amazement when we're connected to the world and all that, but we usually, they're usually very fleeting you know, and, um, don't involve like, um, 10 minutes of lying on top of well, somebody else. Probably a minute, <laughs> no, but, I would, no. but I would say,
0: you know, we were praising Schrader earlier for meeting that challenge of, How to um, of externalizing. That's and I right. think that, That's you right. know, I think this fits within okay. what he, what he accomplishes on the like austere, severe end of not doing a lot, you know, keeping the camera pretty fixed and showing us life unadorned. Um, is but, but, is broken spectacularly in the rare moment of spiritual. I don't. I don't know what. Well, here's <laughs> redemptions, here's, here's the happens. question.
1: The movie, on some level, you know, it, it it sort of goes downhill. Even at the very decision, why would he? He must uh, be mentally broken down to make the decision uh, to destroy his entire church. Uh, in his own moment of personal despair, why would he destroy the building that he loves? And, and It's actually the church, but he had nothing against the church. So why does he try to do this? Um, I, I, I don't understand. Uh, that, that doesn't make any sense, even given his character. He would have done something else, I think, without taking out his whole church. And, of course, he stops at the last minute when uh, Mary shows up.
0: And I do think that the even though I think you're raising some very good points about the um whether whether or not he would actually act in this way even at the height of his delirium and uh and despair but I think that once he puts down the fest and then picks up the the barbed wire to wrap himself in it now now we've moved entirely beyond the realm of you know a realistic description of, of what hes like this is absolute kind of despair or this is we're in like the world of hallucination where everything that he does from that moment on, uh, is, I think, you know, either a factor of him drinking drain, drain cleaner, or he's kind of completely lost any grasp on what actual, his actual experience. And, And the
1: tools he's using for his, his very secular despair happen to be what's around, uh, barbed wire, which, look you know, is a, you know, sort of the self-flagellation tools, the reminiscent of the crown of thorns. Can I add one thing that really, actually one thing that made me laugh in this movie? Uh, you know, be, we, we see the priest, uh, uh, apropos of what you were saying, doing all these wonderfully um, uh, mundane uh, aspects of his daily life, including he's the handyman, and he fixes the toilet.
0: Picking up trash. And he trash.
1: pours, and there's one scene where the, uh, he pours liquid, pl- and the, the bottle says liquid plumber, and he pours that right into the toilet. I think that's the world's worst product placement. I don't know if it was intentional or not, or they paid whoever makes Liquid Plumber, because it wasn't Drano. I it was I actually used Liquid Plumber, so I noticed I noticed this. And then it's but Trader picks up on it, because when he's about to kill himself in these in this protracted sequence where he he's got the vest, he's got the. Um, the wire, but he, instead of pouring himself the scotch or the wine that he's been pouring, he pours himself a glass of liquid plumber. And it, you know, it reminds me of like, uh, you know, high Catholic um, uh, tours of uh, high Catholic churches where people point out the the different uh, tools that were used to torture Jesus. You know, here is the hammer and here is the knife. Uh, these are the tools he's using for his uh, self-flagellation. Uh, pretty creepy, yeah. And, and the and the movie and the camera is still again and right it, on it,
0: as you said. I mean, as you just described, this is a an object that has accumulated quite a bit of symbolic significance over the course of the movie because of you know we don't see him do a lot of things or use a lot of things, but when he employs those things to hurt himself and to I don't know further his own spiritual like you know spiritual redemption or sacrifice or whatever it is i feel like those you know it it takes a savvy filmmaker to recognize you know how to turn something as simple and functional as drain cleaner into something almost spiritual that's uh, right he, he,
1: he plants the seed visually and he har- harvests it late later um he, we should tell our listeners that it does have a happy ending with a small h, a tiny little h, happy ending.
0: Is this a happy ending? It's, well, certainly. Again, within the the delirium of our our hero, uh, we we see him connect with with Mary in a way that he has not been able to bring himself to do. Even during the magical my, magical mystery tour sequence, uh, there seems to be a fervid kind of celebratory feel to the very end. But I don't know. I don't think things are actually too good for our friend Reverend Toller. I think he may have have downed the uh proverbial drain cleaner no he didn't a minute he, before he, no, well he, you're, he, you're just what what happened on camera oh right i feel like that we may have skipped a step and uh-huh. shown what's happening inside his yeah he doesn't look too good but, <laughs> but but the camera
1: whirls around and that the kiss goes on for for two or three Even minutes
0: where he's got quite a he, you know body armor it hurts i <laughs>
1: mean. <laughs> Right, and uh, who knows? Maybe she's bleeding also, but the, she's got the baby, and I'm I'm hoping that he'll take care of the baby, and uh, they'll live happily ever after.
0: So I I certainly <laughs> cannot recommend this movie highly enough. I was really really impressed with it. Um, it's definitely it's not a movie for everyone. No, both stylistically and in terms of subject matter. But for anyone interested in how film can aspire to something on the level of like of s- spiritual deliberation, I think that this movie comes. Pretty close.
1: Ingemar Bergman lovers, get in line.
0: So First reform. Oh, is there anything else you want to say about the movie before we wrap it up? I feel like we covered it pretty.
1: That's it. Pretty Actually, you know, even in talking about it, it makes me want to go see it again. And that's, how, that's how far I've left the seminary.
0: First Reformed is playing uh, at probably a few theaters near you, but it's definitely playing at a movie theater in downtown New Haven. So check it out. Uh, and you can listen to nearly three years of conversations about movies at New Haven at deepfocusradio.com. Alan, hopefully we'll talk to you in next week or a week soon.
1: Is it really three years?
0: Uh, August is going to be the three-year anniversary oh my, well, of we WNHH. Have,
1: we'll have to celebrate with some uh,
0: not-liquid plumber. <laughs> <laughs> we have a couple weeks to decide. Thank you. Thanks.